This is the Oklahoma Talking Company. Yesterday, I got caught in a monsoon. Welcome to the Power Sports Podcast. Jason Baffrey here with Eric Colvin. And yesterday, I got caught in a monsoon. It is the monsoon season here. Yeah. The fair is here and the rain has come. Fortunately, I was uh, rolling in the cage, as they say. And uh, for those of you that don't speak motorcycle vernacular, that's uh, I was in a car or a truck in this case. But I saw some unfortunate soul who was on his, his bagger cruising down the highway. And I'm talking it was torrential rains yesterday in Oklahoma City. And uh, not, and we needed the rain, but this poor guy obviously was not expecting it. And having ridden in really bad rain before, it's not pleasant. And you know, at least he had a fairing. I mean, when I got caught in the in the rain, I didn't have a fairing or windshield or anything at that point. And uh, but this guy was, you know, rolling about sixty on I thirty five and just <laughs> soaked, soaked to the bone. If you're riding motorcycles, it's not if or when, but how wet that you're going to get because you're going to get caught in the rain. Yeah. So uh, it always makes it interesting to to ride. It brings some challenges both in vision and then, you know, stability. I mean, if you maybe if you get used to it, but I don't think you ever get used to riding in rain like that uh, when you're cruising down the road. But it uh, it makes it a little more challenging. It is slick. Everything comes to the surface the antifreeze and the transmission fluid and the engine oil and everything that's out there the water brings it to the surface and then it's slick yeah and not to mention the other traffic can't see any better than you can really uh and they splash you and they splash you and they're not looking for motorcycles anyway most of the time unfortunately but then you have the you know the torrential rain and they they just don't see and it 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 brings the need for awareness that much higher and the need to for a defensive riding position to really kick in you do you absolutely have to watch out for the people in cars they like you said they can't see their visibility is low and they're trying to look for other cars and everybody's splashing around and a lot of times uh the lights on the motorcycle may not shine through all of the rain and the the gray situation with the with the weather so you have to really really be careful and really watch out and look for a bridge or something to hide under till it quits raining yeah well unfortunately the rain that we've had this week it's been a pretty heavy downpour for a little bit and then it slacked off a little bit, and you could get to shelter or get home or whatever you, whatever you needed to do. The sunshine came out actually yesterday. Uh, today it doesn't look like that's going to happen, but nevertheless. Now, if you're riding today, you're one tough individual. <laughs> well, you know who does sometimes like to ride in the rain, and that is motocrossers. And uh, there's been a couple of pretty stellar motocrosses over the past couple of weeks as the MXGP came to the States and they raced first in Charlotte and then at Glen Helen. And I don't know what people expected. I mean, the MXGPs, you know, there's a lot of great European riders over there. And I, I there was a lot of talk about um, the matchups that were going to take place between the Europeans and the Americans. But 
the guy that has come out head and shoulders above the rest and really put a perfect cherry on top of his season, which was actually filled with quite a few struggles, but Eli Tomac and the Kawasaki team, wow. I mean, he either really turned it up, really got things worked out after a full season of motocross, or he's just that much better than everybody else uh, when it comes to Europeans, and I don't want to well, maybe we do. Maybe he's just that much better than all the Europeans. As a rule, the Europeans are really hard to to beat in motocross. They have been since day one. And it was unbelievable the ride that Tomac put in at at, uh, at the race at Glen Helen. Yeah, he, he didn't get the best start. And he had had pretty good starts in Charlotte and ended up going 1-1 and winning both motos and, and winning the overall and everything there. But in Glen Helen... He didn't get the best start in the second moto, and he put on a heck of a ride from there. He did. He came from behind. He chased those guys down right at the end. It's He sort of seemed like uh, he didn't get a very good start, and he just got into a rhythm and just played chess with them. Yeah. And in the, in the Charlotte uh, Grand Prix MXGP, the big story was Cooper Webb, and Jeffrey Hurlings. And everybody was talking about that matchup, and you had two young, fiery personalities, both great riders. And it ended up being, uh, I think they each took a moto, and then they both heaped praise upon one another about how great the other rider was, and it was a big love fest. And I don't think that's what anybody was expecting. (laughs) No, no, not at all. That was... That was odd. Yeah. But Cooper took the the Glen Helen race off because he is making the move to the 450, and he is the captain of the Motocross of Nations team. And so he'll be riding the 450 there, and that race comes up on September 25th, I believe. And so he took the Glen Helen MXGP off to start preparations for the Motocross of Nations. And then uh, that team, I think this year it's going to be pretty strong. I know in the in the past uh, few years that the U.S. team has had a little bit of difficulties coming together and and pulling off uh, some good rides. So I think the team that they have this time, I think we're going to see some different uh, results from this team. Yeah, it'll be interesting. They're going to be racing in Italy, and you've got Cooper Webb, and you have. Jason Anderson, who will be on a 450, and then you have Alex Martin, who's going to be riding the the 250 over there. And Alex Martin has been to the Motocross of Nations before, but he is somehow they they put him on Team Puerto Rico. I'm pretty sure that Alex Martin's not Puerto, Puerto Rican. Rican. No, I don't but think so. uh, and I didn't even know the Puerto Rico fielded a team, but I guess they put uh, put some guys in there, and and he got to represent Team Puerto Rico for a couple of years. But so he's been there, but has never had the the pressure, if you will, of rep representing the United States in the motocross of nations. And it doesn't get, uh, you know, unless you're in the motocross circles, you you may not be really aware of the motocross of nations. But, I mean, historically, this is a huge event. Team USA has done extremely well 
in in the past, certainly through the 80s, we had some incredible teams that represented over there, and and they used to run a 500 a 500 cc, a 250 cc, and a 125 cc back in the two stroke days, and then now they have I think an open class, which is essentially a 450, and then they have a 450 and a 250, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the classes have changed up a lot due to the kind of bikes that the manufacturers make now right but nevertheless i believe france has won the last two years in a row and we just can't have that (laughs) it's it has to end so cooper alex jason anderson it's time to time to bring it back home to the united states because you just can't have the the french winning and i'm kidding because i mean france has has had some incredible riders uh, come from there over the years, certainly on the European circuits, but even those that have made it over to motocross and supercross. You think about Jean-Michel Bale, Stefan Everts. Is Stefan Everts French? We'll go with so, that. It sounds French. Um, <laughs> somebody's, somebody is just beating their, their iPhone on the dash right the now. The dash right I'm now. I'm an idiot. But uh, anyway, it should be a great event coming up next week, and we wish Team USA well as they head to Italy. And then for the motocross and supercross guys, a little bit of a break, not much, but we'll have the Monster Energy Cup coming up in late October, early November, in somewhere yeah, in there. Yeah, that's going to be a huge event. And right the there. Red Bull Street Rhythm. I mean, they put Monster puts up huge money. They race in Las Vegas. All the hitters will come out. That's pretty much kind of the debut of the 2017 season. So. All the riders will be showing up on their new bikes, and there's going to be a lot of changes that take place here from the end of 2016 into 2017. I mean, basically, we know that Ryan Dungey is still going to be with Team Red Bull KTM, and from there it gets pretty crazy because we, we have Ken Roxon going to Team Honda HRC. Uh, Cole Seeley is still going to be on that team, I believe, but... Uh, there's some other guys that we don't know where they're going to end up. We know Tomac's going to be on the back on the Kawasaki, but then you have Cooper Webb moving up to Team Yamaha to be a teammate with Chad Reed, both on 450s. You have a lot of 250 guys that are making moves around. Um, I've heard that Trey Kennard is going to KTM, so you'll have Dungey and Kennard, and I'm not sure who else is going to be on Team KTM, but that's going to I mean, things are really going to look different. And we see this a lot, I mean, in, in Supercross and Motocross. I mean, guys change teams on a regular basis. But there's it's like musical chairs, and there's a couple of uh, players right now that don't have a seat to land and some pretty big names. You have the Stewart brothers, James and Malcolm, who still don't have rides, at least not that have been announced in any way, for the 2017 season. And James Stewart certainly did not have the kind of year that – uh, he would have planned on or I think anybody expected from him after he came back from that whole suspension deal in 2015. But he had health problems. He had crash problems. I mean, he started off the season with a concussion when he hit the ground hard in the first race of the season in Supercross. And, you know, things went downhill from there, if you can imagine that. And right now, he doesn't have a place to go. Yoshimura Suzuki has pretty much folded up. RCH, or the Ricky Carmichael, Kerry Hart team is going to be the official factory Suzuki team now. And they've basically partnered with Yoshimura, Yoshimura 
and there'll be some sponsorship and I think joint monies there in a joint venture. But essentially, it's the RCH team that is now in control of the factory Suzuki effort. And James Stewart's not going to be there. He has been with Yoshimura Suzuki in, in the past several years. So, I mean, that's a big-name guy and a great rider. And, you know, if he gets his health back, he gets his physicality back where it needs to be. And, I mean, he still came out and did great at the Red Bull Straight Rhythm in 2015, but then just things fell apart once the Supercross season started. But you know he's still fast. I mean, we've seen it in in brief flashes. Yeah, he's still capable of winning races. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to him. His brother Malcolm, who won the East Coast 250 championship for Geico Honda and decided he's going to move up to a 450 in 2017, but as of yet, does not have a ride. So brings to mind some interesting things uh, to see what could happen there. And, uh, you know, a lot of big names still out there. I think Justin Brayton doesn't have a a, a commitment yet and uh, some other guys that are still floating around out there looking for bikes to ride. It'll be interesting to follow it. Either some of the factory teams will expand and offer a ride or a support ride or i look for some new satellite teams to form uh to fill this void yeah i mean there are some and i don't want to go necessarily they're not privateer teams because they have some some corporate backing but they're not a the full factory factory effort Um, but you have some guys with some money that have some teams out there. There's the Motorcycle Superstore team and, and, and several others like that. Well, and you can even even consider Geico Honda, although Geico Honda still gets quite a bit of factory support, I think, from Honda and the team HRC. But it will be interesting to see if some of these uh, other private teams – would pick up some of these bigger name guys if they have the cash to to flow out there or they're willing to take a chance on you know somebody like a James Stewart who who had a really off year and uh, but we we hope to see him back i mean James Stewart can you imagine if everybody stays healthy and you have Eli Tomac Cooper Webb on a 450 you've got uh, Ryan Dungey you got Trey Kennard on a new bike and hopefully he could stay healthy but James Stewart i mean you could have an incredible season in 450s plus you have jason anderson who really had a great year won won some races and uh, justin barsha who did not have the year that anybody expected for the joe gibbs racing team yamaha but he's always capable of stepping back up and you've got some really big quality riders in the 450 category for 2017 so it could be fun in 17 if like you said if everybody's healthy and everything goes forward like everybody anticipates. I think you're going to have the top 10 in all of the events is going to be a big guess as to who can win or who can finish on the box because there are at least 10 guys that are capable of winning at any time. Yeah, I, I and I think everybody wants to see Roxon, Dungey, Tomac, and Webb. Those guys stay healthy. And with the way that Roxon was riding at the, well, the entire motocross season, the way that Dungey rode in the entire Supercross season, and then Cooper Webb bring in his passion and his fire and his speed to a 450, it's going to be an exciting year. It is. It's going to have everybody on the edge of their seat standing up. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk a little Speedway motorcycles now. They just had uh, the race in Germany, Tetero, and uh, American Greg Hancock went into the race leading the points, 
But Jason Doyle from Australia has been coming on strong, and uh, I've started looking into a little bit of some of the the team, the British Grand Prix series and, and some of that, and Doyle was getting faster and faster. He was winning more events, and then he comes into the to the Grand Prix series at Germany, and he looked amazing. And, and he had ridden really well at the previous Grand Prix and won, and then comes into Germany, and he won his first four heat races. And he was in a heat race against Hancock, and Hancock finished fourth in that particular heat. And it was like, oh, my gosh, you know, all of a sudden Han- uh, Doyle has closed up the points gap, and he looks unstoppable. But then Hancock was able to come back, win a heat race, and, you know, I don't want to say slow and steady because it was more fast and steady, but, I mean, he is the guy. He just keeps plugging along. He keeps pushing. He keeps working, and he's managed to get out of Germany with still having a points lead, and it's not as much now. It's only five points, but now we go to Stockholm, Sweden on September 24th, a home race for him. Hancock won the previous race in Sweden, which was the first time that he'd ever won a race in Sweden, which is kind of his home country during the Grand Prix season. Uh, Stockholm is a race that he really wants to win, and we'll see what happens because Doyle is just a man on fire right now. Doyle has done his homework. Um, I don't know who Doyle is is working with or what has happened uh, as far as training, but he has made a 180-degree change in the way that he rides and his aggressiveness. Of course, you've got to be aggressive in Speedway because you have four laps. And at the European level, as you well know, it is very, very tough over there. I mean, the there's a lot of, of guys that have gone from the United States to Europe to compete in Speedway, and there's just been a handful that's come out on top. You've got uh, Schwartz and Moran, and you've got Penhall. Um you had Irma Linko, and then you've got Hancock, and there's still a, a few others that have gone over there. Um, but nothing like what the Europeans bring. And Sweden has got a lot of really fast guys. Uh, all of the British teams have anybody that's capable of winning. So to to come from behind like he's done and turn his riding program around, something – Something has has enabled him to to step up and go from being like uh, a third and fourth place finisher in heat races to now winning heat races just within one or two events. Yeah, he made some really aggressive moves in Germany. Uh, not, and I don't mean that to sound like they were dirty or uncalled for or anything like that. No. He was just it was just he aggressive was riding. He was doing everything that he could to win every race that he was in. And you saw some other, you know, Bartos Smarslik made some good runs in there, and he's always capable of of stepping up. But this battle now between Doyle and Hancock, and they've separated themselves just a little bit from Ty Woffenden, the defending champion. Um, he's still several points back now and didn't have the kind of outing that I think he was hoping for in Germany. But I'm excited to see what happens in Stockholm when that race happens. And what's really interesting about that is that will be Greg Hancock's 200th start in Speedway Grand Prix racing. That's got to be unprecedented. Well, it is. And in fact, uh, Germany was the 200th event for Speedway Grand Prix. 
and they celebrated that. And so now Hancock has his 200th start. So basically you're saying there's one event that, that he didn't make in the entire series. And here he is at 46 years old. And I know we've talked about the age thing before, but he's still going strong. He is in position to win his fourth championship, having his 200th start. I mean, you want to talk about an Iron Man. And, you know, it's just it's so great to see. And, and what pains me is that for the United States, probably there aren't that many people who know who Greg Hancock is or what his accomplishments are because speedway motorcycle racing is not something that's getting any publicity over here. And I mean, there is a great story right there that media overall is missing out on much less sports media. And, uh, you know, I just think that this is a guy that has done some great things. He's been representing the United States for all these years over there. He's doing it at an age where not many people are doing what he's doing at his age anymore and and still going strong and looking to win the championship. It's a hard battle and, you know, he he's keeping the fight alive and I just think it's awesome. And I so hope that we might even get the opportunity to interview him at some point here in the near future and and talk to him a little bit about that. But it's going to be an exciting race in Stockholm. And, uh, and then we're down to the last couple of races. They end things up in Australia, which is a race that Hancock has won before. But it's also Doyle's home country. So that's wh- going to be interesting. Yeah, that's going to be a fiery event. I can tell you that. So we also uh, have news from AMA Flat Track Racing just today, the day of our recording. We talked in one of our previous shows about the Central New York event, which Jared Meese won, and uh, Brian Smith won or finished second on the track, but then was disqualified. Uh, due to a rule, and we went into in depth into what that rule was about, but it's basically rotating weight having to do with the rear wheel, and they felt that there was a problem with the rear wheel on Brian Smith's Kawasaki and disqualified him, stripped him of the the finish, stripped him of all of the winnings, and the points involved with that. Well, the Brian Smith Kawasaki team appealed that, and just today... The AMA has come out, and they upheld the appeal. They have returned everything to Brian Smith. And, Eric, you have a little more in-depth information about this. Yeah, there's a there's a press release that has been put uh, out in the media. Um, you can check it out on Facebook at flattrack.com. Uh, it's put out by the CEO of – AMA Pro Racing, Michael K. Locke, and apparently they've decided that there was a miscommunication between the AMA and the team. Um, Smith's team, in formal writing, asked about the modifications that they wanted to make to said wheel, and the AMA said that was fine, go ahead and do it and come and race with it. Well, After they had made the modifications to the wheel and decided to use the wheel, then they were protested and the AMA said, oh, well, you can't use this wheel, which was very confusing to the team. So as you can imagine, uh, number 42 team of Smith decided that they wanted to appeal this judgment against them, and rightly so, being since the AMA had said, yes, go ahead and bring it. So 
they had a review that was the technical board of the AMA, and the AMA said, well, we had made some changes, and they had made changes in ways that were, they being the AMA, they had made changes in ways to Rule 33.22H that allows weight limits to the wheel, and they didn't get back with Smith in writing saying that we've changed our mind and you can't use this wheel. So with that technicality, they have restored everything to Smith that was taken away from him at this event. However, they did say that they won't be able to use that wheel any longer. But here's what gets really interesting. Smith went on to finish second at the Springfield Mile behind Kenny Coolbeth. Jared Meese had a bad outing at that event. Uh, yes, he did. Finish, had a do not finish. So now Meese was leading the points going into the final race of the season still because of the disqual- disqualification and everything. Looked to be on pace to to win another championship on his final ride on Harley-Davidson. But now because of the reinstatement of Brian Smith from the Central New York event, the point standings have Brian Smith in the lead with 221 points, and Jared Meese is second with 219 points going into the final race of the season. And looking at the stats, Smith has had four wins. Meese has had four wins. Uh, Smith had five pole positions overall on the season so far, where Meese has had one. And that race at Springfield now becomes a really big deal uh, because Meese didn't finish. And now with that reinstatement, we have a barn burner coming into the last race of the season for the uh, Ramsper Wright Winery Santa Rosa Mile in Santa, uh, Sonoma, California. And if there's anybody that knows how to win on a mile racetrack, it is the Brian Smith Kawasaki team. This, yes, it is. It is going to be handlebar to handlebar. And if there's any way that you can tune in and watch it, you need to do so. This this is unprecedented in the season. It has been politics and you name it, and it has been in the AMA Pro Flat Track Racing Series for 2016. So it's, I think that there's going to be some temper and some passion at Santa Rosa. Yeah, and and the one thing that we didn't touch on is Brian Smith was protested at Central New York, but he was protested by the winning team of Jared Meese. It's kind of strange because you know usually if you win, you don't get to protest. Well, and and then you, if you win, why would you protest somebody else in, unless they just felt that there was really something wrong going on there? And I don't know. It, it brings to mind a lot of questions, and we certainly won't know all of the behind the scenes and the and the details of that, the whys and the hows and that sort of thing. But it seemed, I mean, you know, if somebody finished, you know, in the top five, and they thought, well, you know, the Smith team is doing something that they shouldn't be doing. You know, I can understand that. But if you win the race, it you know, what is your reason for protest? There, There's no telling. It's, it, it seems political. It seems like a lot of strategy. Um, well, and it was working out for them. <laughs> it was working for a while, wasn't it? Yeah, because, I mean, Meese had the points lead and was looking to – I mean, pretty much everybody was assuming at this, this point that this championship was sewed up for Meese until today with the reinstatement. Yeah, and once that happened, then it was on again. Yeah. So it's going to be a great race in Sonoma, California on September 25th. 
the Ramsper Winery Santa Rosa Mile, and you, of course, can watch all of the AMA Flat Track events on fanschoice.tv. And uh, I say that just as a public service announcement. We are not involved with that by any stretch of the imagination. Although, if they are looking for a new uh, reporter or host or anything, I, I hear, well, I'm available. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just put it out there. I, you know, I'd be interested in that. Uh, nevertheless, it's going to be a great race. And, and I don't want to say Scotty Do- Dubler and uh, Chris Carr do a great job. And uh, it's always fun to watch those events. And uh, certainly appreciate FansChoice.tv offering those events up for live streaming when they happen because it's a really a great way to watch the AMA Pro Flat Track events if you can't be there. This this judgment, you know, is also coming off of the Circuit of the Americas. They had a they had a, the same sort of situation there with a with a wheel that was was too heavy, and the AMA has floundered back and forth between it can. It can weigh as much as 40 pounds or as less as 35 pounds. So I'm hoping for 17 that we can have a flat track event that is less hampered with legal ease as what you can or can't run and more with actual competition where it's decided on the racetrack instead of in a uh, in a technical boardroom yeah, trying rule to book you know, fighting over rules. Yeah. Well, the other interesting thing that's coming up at the Sonoma Flat Track event is the debut of the Indian FTR 750. Going to be ridden by Joe Kopp. Going to be ridden by Joe Kopp. We talked a little bit about that or just kind of made the announcement last week uh, on our show. But that should be, you know, that's going to be, there's going to be a lot of hubbub around that. You know, Indian making its return to AMA Flat Track Racing. I mean, they've already done a great job with press releases and announcements and that sort of thing, but finally getting the bike on the track in competition. And uh, any speculations, Eric, on on what you think they're going to be able to accomplish with this bike on the first ride out? I mean, you've got a rider that hasn't ridden, um, at least on the GNC1 circuit, in several years. I mean, I think he's been doing some riding out in California and doing other nostalgia events and things like that. So Joe Cobb hasn't been in competition like this for a while. And you've got a brand new bike, but a big spotlight on what the Indian is going to do in its first race out. Any expectations? My expectations is, is I'd like to see it finish inside of the top 10. In the main event? In the main event. Yeah. I think that Joe Cop is more than capable of putting it in the main event. I don't think they're going to, aside from a technical difficulty of some kind, I I think that Joe Cop is fast enough to make the main. Um as far as winning at Santa Rosa, I th- I think that that I don't think that that's impossible. But really, I, no, I don't think that that's impossible. Joe Cop is is a very competent rider, um, and he's still really fast, and he's taken this situation seriously, and has made statements that he's gone back into serious training, and I don't think that he's ever really slacked off as far as not riding like you said he's been participating in a few events and the the support for the indian team is as good as any factory effort that's out there 
They've put a lot of time and a lot of interest into the development of the bike. I think that they have a wise choice with Joe Cop. He's level-headed. Um, he's a very smart rider. He's a very competent when it comes to feedback about what he'd like the motorcycle to do and what the motorcycle isn't doing. Um, so I think the comp the the formula for the team is really, really good. Um, but realistically, I think a top ten finish. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Because I would say that even making the main event would would be impressive to me. I mean, we're talking about the first race out for for a brand new bike. So you know, and, and I wouldn't think that they would put it into competition if they hadn't been doing a lot of testing and got it up to the types of of lap times that they know that it's going to take to compete. Jared Meas is on board for riding that bike in 2017. I have to think that, you know, he's been talking to them and been, you know, his team has been working with them. Uh, And I don't know how that all works politically, you know, with um, in flat track, like it does, you know, supercross and motocross, basically, you know, there may be rumors of, a rider moving to a different team, but you don't see that rider on that bike or or doing anything with that bike uh, in any kind of official capacity oh, in, in all. advance. But I don't; it may not be the same with flat track uh, because you don't have necessarily a factory Harley Davidson effort for Jared Meese. I mean, they just use a Harley Davidson XR750 because basically that's what almost everybody has if they haven't made the move to a Kawasaki now. But now he's going to Indian. So I wonder how much he's been testing. He's been involved with that development. Um, you know, obviously he's a guy that's out there racing every week and has a lot of input into where that bike needs to be in order to be competitive in its first race out. Yeah, the Indian has been very tight-lipped, very tight-lipped about the development that they've done with the motorcycle. There's a few little video snippets out there of them riding the motorcycle in test sessions. Uh, I do know that they have been concerned with the the competitive power of the motorcycle that was that was something that they addressed first and they have accomplished the horsepower and the torque issue the way that it develops torque um, and the amount of peak power that it makes um, they've done a lot of chassis uh, development on the motorcycle um, they've they have started from scratch with Everybody that is very competent in the development and the design of a motorcycle, and obviously Indian has the amount of money that it takes to build uh, a scratch racer like that where they start from nothing. Um, The people that they've brought on board have a lot of experience not only from a riding aspect but also from the experience aspect of team owners or people that have worked on a team, chassis development, suspension development, but they've kept it under wraps. So with with the experience that's on the team, the money that's behind the team and the rider experience, I I really think that, that we should expect something inside the top ten. Yeah. Well, it'll be exciting to watch and hope everybody tunes in and pays attention to that. And certainly the battle for the AMA Flat Track Championship will be great. And it will be great watching the Indian to see what Joe Cop can do. And maybe he's a spoiler in that whole mix. That that could be fun. Or will we see somebody else? You know, maybe this is the weekend that Davis Fisher and the XG750 steps up. You know, they get things tuned in for the for the new bike and you know, that thing has been shadowed by the Indian, and I know that it's gotten a lot of bad press, but 
that's actually an impressive motorcycle. Yeah. I think that Harley Davidson. Uh, I think Harley Davidson has has put a lot of effort and like they have always done in dirt track with that motorcycle. And again, the the team that they have with that motorcycle is very competent. And the rider is really good, and he's shown that he has the capabilities of of riding and winning on that motorcycle. Um, all. All said and done, that is a like we talked about before a production base engine, and the the approach is a little bit different with a production base engine versus the Indian, which was built from scratch. But nonetheless, I think that you're correct that that between the the Indian and its debut and the development of the XG, Santa Rosa is going to be interesting. Yeah, well. Even more interesting racing coming up on the weekend of September 24th and 25th. The Vintage Dirt Track Racing Association will be returning to action at West Siloam Springs, Oklahoma, and at Flint Creek Speedway. And it will be a fun race out there. And you and I both will be in attendance at that event. And are you are you racing? You're racing, aren't you? I am going to get to ride. I don't know there. if you were going to get a chance to ride or I'm going to make a chance to ride. <laughs> there you go. And what are, are you running? Uh, vintage twins. You know, this time, I think what we're going to do is there's a few classes out there that are new and need some support with some riders, and that's what we're looking at. Uh, the hooligan class, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting. We uh, have a possibility for an opportunity to ride there. Okay, Um, so we're looking at that. Um, I'm also looking at the new vintage production class. We have a motorcycle that uh, will fit into that class. Um, I think it needs a little bit of support uh, new for this year to get in off the ground. And with the new changeover, some of the rule changes that they've made uh, prior to 2017. Uh, So We've made a few changes to that motorcycle, and we'd like to debut it there. And there's another class that I haven't had a chance to participate much in. Uh, I do, however, really like the class, and that is 80s vintage, the 80s era vintage. Nice. And so I think we would like to to do that. But we do have a vintage twins motorcycle that has been offered to us. Uh, on another episode, we can talk about the the development of some – new opportunities for Colvin Racing and and what's been afforded us. Um, But we do have a bike that I think we could run and we could test and see what development we needed to do with it in Vintage Twin. So we have quite a large selection. There's not enough for me to ride more than maybe two classes. Hmm. Uh, It's too bad you don't know anybody else that could ride a motorcycle. Well, I know. See, I was thinking as long as, you know, the wife didn't get upset that, you know, your wife, that is, that we didn't get you hurt, that uh, we, we're going to we have to slide you in. But, we don't have to worry about her. <laughs> but word has it that you're going to be announcing this event. Oh, yes. Yes. I'm looking forward to it. This will be my first flat track race to announce after doing a lot of drag racing and some other things. And so it's going to be a great event. 
West Salem Springs, Oklahoma, Flint Creek Speedway. This event, the race will happen kind of in conjunction with the big bikes, blues, and barbecue that takes place in Arkansas just across the border. So you're just a few minutes away from the racetrack. So if you're going to bikes, blues, and barbecue, you can come out on Saturday, watch some incredible flat track racing, see some really cool motorcycles and some great riders and have a lot of fun. And we hope that you can come out and join us for that race. You can find out all about that at vdtra.org, which is the website, or you can look up the Vintage Dirt Track Racing Association, VDTRA, on Facebook. Their Facebook page has a lot of information and updates and things like that. And then uh, we're going to be, hopefully, maybe get Jake Latimer in here before the event to talk a little bit about some of the details of what's going on. If not, we'll get him in here after the event. We'll talk about how it went. But it's going to be uh, it's going to be a great time, and we hope that you'll join Eric and I out there on that day. September 24th. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Like you said, this is the uh, this is the second annual uh, event there in conjunction with Bikes, Blues, and Barbecue, and it's a fantastic opportunity for uh, vintage racing as a whole for awareness and uh, and a place for the series to go and with the new ownership of VDTRA. So it's going to be good all the way around. Yeah, so come out, see Eric, support him in his racing. You can stop by and visit with me. I'll be in a, in the, uh, I assume they have a tower or something. Wherever there's a microphone, I, that's where I'll be. And uh, if, you, if I'm not there, then you can probably find me around Eric's trailer. And uh, stop by and say hi and uh, come and cheer Eric on and, and support the VDTRA and, and support motorcycle racing in the – Oklahoma, like in your, the, yeah, in your local area, in, in the local area, wherever you are. But I mean, this is a big deal because we don't see a lot of motorcycle racing of this caliber around here. And we've talked about that before. So the VDTRA, kind of the new generation of that, there's going to be more flat track racing around Oklahoma and Arkansas and Texas and the, the surrounding states. So get out and support it. If you love motorcycle racing of any kind and certainly if you're a flat track racing fan uh, we encourage you to get out and support these events and uh, support the organization support the riders because they're they're out there certainly with vdtra they're not doing it for to make big money they're doing it because of the love of the sport and and the love of the motorcycles and because it's fun and uh, you know and to put on a good show for those people that do come out and watch yeah you're going to have uh, classes for children as young as five years old, uh, up to guys that ride into their sixties and you'll have mini bikes and you'll have modern dirt track motorcycles and you'll have a huge array and diversity of vintage racing equipment. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, we have uh, some great things coming up over the next few weeks here on the Power Sports Podcast. Um, we are going to have guests in studio, Carrie Cannon of Cannon Racecraft, a uh, suspension specialist. And that's just uh, the, the intro level description of what Carrie does, I think. But he's going to be joining us here on an upcoming show. And we're also going to be taking a test ride of a brand new Harley Davidson coming up very soon. And we're also going to be talking and hopefully riding some more European motorcycles in the very near future. I look forward to all of that. Uh, diversity is, is part of motorcycling, is it not? Yeah, yeah. And I think that uh, individuals should should be open-minded enough to, to take a look at the diversity that's out there and see the different styles and the way the different motorcycles react to them and how they fit. And 
I'm, I'm liking the opportunity that we have to bring that to the public. Yeah. Well, if you listen to the Power Sports Podcast, hopefully you're listening on oklahomatalking.co. And if you've just found us on Facebook at facebook.com slash powersportspodcast, uh, click on the links and then you can it'll take you to oklahomatalking.co. You can listen to the shows. We are on SoundCloud. We are on iTunes. We are also on Stitcher Radio. So whatever your device is, you can find the Power Sports Podcast. We we hope that you will listen, and we hope that you're fans of motorcycles and that you'll tell your friends and uh, give us some input. You can email us at powersportspodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at powersportstalk. You can follow us on Instagram at powersportspodcast. And uh, like I said, Facebook, go like our page, facebook.com slash powersportspodcast. For Eric Colvin, I'm Jason Baffrey. We'll see you at the races.